Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word. Your Bibles, stand with me now. Open your Bibles uh, to two places. Uh, Isaiah 58, put a bookmark there and go to Matthew 17. Isaiah 58, put a bookmark there and then go to Matthew 17. Thank you for your prayers. Uh, I was out last week, wasn't feeling well. I'm getting back better, a little bit better every day. Uh, how Pastor Steve do? He do great last week? Amen. Always great to hear from him. He just brings that family. He's like, he's like I know he's my brother, but he's like that uncle right? He just brings that family uh, anointing in when he ministers, and I love that. appreciate that because the church is a family, and he just brings that in with his stories. And I got to clear some stories up. I was at home on my couch saying, what? So we went hunting. Yeah, I'll have to address that. Just having a little fun with my little brother. Amen. So anyway, uh, Matthew 17, there's many different reasons why people fast. We're going to talk about fasting today. We're actually going to talk about the two hindrances to why we don't see some of the results in our life. But there are uh, many different kinds of fasts. And if you're, you're new to fasting, you don't know which fast to select, go to the Welcome Center. There's a list of fastings there, the Daniel fast, all of that, different options. And just choose one and fast with us this week. And then try to make as many prayer nights as you can. Bring your notebook with you or your journal and your Bible, because God speaks when we meet like this, and you fast and you pray, he will speak to your life, he'll speak to you. And we got some great things lined up. And so I wanna talk about um, God's chosen fast today. This is God's way of fasting, and this is what he wants us to accomplish. Many people fast for different reasons. There's health reasons that resets your metabolism. There's uh, been links to reducing your risk of cancer because of fasting. I mean, a lot of people fast, intermittent fasting is something I try to do often. And so there's a good health benefits. But when we fast to seek God, this is a biblical fast. This is a spiritual fast. Big things happen. And listen, it's, we don't fast to change God's mind. That's not why we fast. When you do see that in scripture, this is what happened. We fast to change us. Fasting, listen, aligns us with the will of God. It aligns us with, there is a humility that comes with fasting. There is a vulnerability that comes with fasting. And that is what attracts God's favor. That's why we fast. And then that's why he blesses. That's why he changed his plan with Hezekiah. And he added life in years onto Hezekiah after he told him he was going to die. Because Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and he, he humbled himself. When we fast and pray, we humble ourselves. And God, and that attracts the favor of God. Jesus began his ministry by fasting for 40 days. That's how he started. The apostles fasted often. Two times in the book of Acts, there are fasts mentioned whenever they made a major decision. Are you going to make some decisions? You may be making one right now in your family and in your career choice or school or where you're going to go. Fast with it. Fast with it. Before I would take a route at work, before I even put my name on the bid sheet, I would pray and I would fast because I knew that would change everything about our life. Fasting needs to be something we do more than just once a year. It's a part of our discipline. Jesus said, when you fast, not if you fast, but when you fast, assuming that we adopt this as a regular discipline. 
But when we fast and pray, there are some things that you're going to find here. I've read this before and mentioned and preached a little bit of this before, but I'm going to put a different spin on it today. Matthew 17 uh, uh, has got something here. I want to. This is a story in verse 14 when Jesus and three of the disciples are coming off the mountain, or three of them, and they just had this awesome experience and they run right into this chaotic situation. It's like having a great vacation, coming home, and the fridge broke. <laughs> or the hot water tank or your car broke. I mean, you know, the, Jesus and them are coming off the mountain. They had a glorious time on the Mount of Transfiguration. They come down, and these guys are surrounding the disciples. They're arguing. They're fighting. you got a dad that's got a son that they can't heal. He's crying. It's a chaotic scene right after that glorious experience. So that's the context of what we're walking into Look at verse 14. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to Jesus, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, <coughs> excuse me, have mercy on my son, for he is, now there's different words there, epileptic or King James says lunatic. He didn't have epilepsy. He had a spiritual condition. And he suffers often into the water, let's see, and he suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and falls into the water. You see, the demon's trying to kill him. That's what he does. So I brought him to your disciples, and look at this, but they could not cure him. I came to church, and it didn't work. I came to prayer, and it didn't work. I tried this, and it didn't work. This is, this is big right here. Then Jesus answered, and he said, Oh, unbelieving or faithless, but unbelieving is a better term, unbelieving and perverse generation, He's talking to the whole generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring the boy here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. And then the disciples did what I would do, came to Jesus later and said, in private. They were embarrassed. They came in private, and they said, Lord, why, why couldn't we do that? Why, why didn't that work for us? Why, why, Lord, did this not work in our life? We tried it. We said the name of Jesus. We've seen you do it. It's even worked for us before. But this time was different. Jesus looked at him and he said, because of your unbelief. For assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, just tiny little seed. You will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind, this level that you're wanting to walk in, with power and presence, is not going to happen except for prayer and fasting. And then in Mark's gospel, because this story is told in three of the gospels, in Mark, he adds, and it should be on your screen, Mark 9, he adds this, immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, look at this dad, if you had it, this was your only child and he's sick and he took him to the doctors and medicine wasn't working and this wasn't working. You brought him to church and it didn't, God didn't even seem to really get into that child. So with tears, he's looking at Jesus and he says, Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. If you've ever been there, we're gonna talk about that today. We thank you for your word, Lord. I pray your blessing upon us and our ears to hear and receive what you would say, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated today. <laughs> thank you, Pastor Steve. <clears throat> Apologize for my cough. I feel better. I just got to... <clears throat>
a little cough. I won't be real long today. Lying on the first Sunday of the year. I'm telling you, Lord Jesus, help me. <coughs> Just a couple of things that I want to see. There's nothing more frustrating than trying to do what you know God's called you to do, and you can't do it. Or you want what you know God said you can have, but you don't see it manifested in your life. There's nothing more frustrating than that. Jesus ends this whole teaching, did you notice, with that parable about the mustard seed. So he does this demonstration. He says, bring the boy to me. Right in, right in the middle of this boy convulsing and everything is happening in Mark's gospel, Jesus actually looks at the father and says, how long has this been happening? It's, it's always got me how Jesus is like wanting to have these conversations at the worst time. You know, his son is down and he's convulsing. It looks like everyone else is just freaking out. And Jesus is looking at the dad saying, how long has this been happening? I mean, why? Because Jesus, the, I'll get this into your DNA. Jesus is never intimidated by your storm. He's never intimidated by what you're facing. He's never intimidated or afraid, no matter how big of a mountain you are facing. He's, he's never afraid of it. It's the same to raise the dead as it is to, to cure a headache in the eyes of God. Faith, that's what faith is. And he looks at them and he says, how long has this been happening? It's been happening since he was a boy. And then he talks about faith being powerful like a mustard seed. All you need is a little bit of faith. And that's the problem. It's, it's raw faith that we need. It's that pure. You don't need a lot of it. You just need a little bit, but it has to be pure. It has to be raw. And if you get that kind of faith, you will say to this mountain, it'll be moved. That's power. I pray in 2024, we have mountain moving faith. How many want mountain moving faith in 2024? Amen. You want that? That, that's what every believer should want. When you look at a story like this and put yourself in there. Where are you? Have you ever been there in times when you said, God, I've, I've tried it and it hasn't worked? I know I have. When I first got saved, I would pray those prayers. You know, I, would, I was driving my truck and I, would be, I always took my Bible with me and listened to it on cassette. Those little plastic things that... <laughs> And, and I'd listen to the Bible and these great faith things, you know, and I'd read about the prophet, you know, Elisha made the axe head float in the water, you know, that's like, like a Jedi, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, whoa, you know, and I'm 25 years old when I first got saved and started learning about faith. And I remember pulling my truck over and having lunch and then getting out and, and looking and trying to move like something on the ground. I mean, with my mind powers, don't look at me, you've tried it too. Lord, you know, just, just lay hands on people and just have that kind of faith and watch healing. And I've seen God heal. He's healed my wife of headaches, severe headaches. She used to have, have migraines and the house would be completely dark and have, uh, come home from work and she'd be all in the dark. And she had these headaches and went to the doctors and they couldn't fix it and this and that. And, and I remember reading scriptures like this and Lord laying hands on the sick and lay hands on her and right there in the living room and pray and God healed her. And she hasn't had migraines since. It's been like 15 years or something, a long time. Amen. I've seen it work. I've seen it work. I've seen it work. I want that kind of faith all the time. And so then I remember also learning a couple of things when I was growing up, this word called window shopping. Mom would come home, and every time she came home, because I was the baby first for like eight years, Steve. Anyway, and uh, so mom would bring me gifts, and whenever her and my aunts would come back from shopping, you know, it was always they'd give me a gift. And I remember there were times when there wasn't, there was no gift, and I'd say, where's my gift? And mom said, oh, we just did some window shopping today. I thought, why are you buying windows? What are you? I didn't, and then she explained, that's when you just go look. I said, what fun is that? 
But let me tell you something. God doesn't want his people window shopping. God don't want you just to window shop for your victory. Let me try it over here. They didn't get that. God don't want you window shopping for you to have joy. He, he don't want you window shopping to have peace. He don't want you to window shop to have power to see power, to see victory, to see joy, to see healing, to see something on the other side of the glass and say, oh, I just, I just can't afford it. No, 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 no. He wants you and I to have these things. It'll get there. It'll get there. That's all right. It'll trickle down. This is a percolating message. It'll, it'll take time to get down in there. Well, how do you get that, Pastor Eddie? It's this. Write this down. Faith is the currency of heaven. Faith is the currency of heaven. Just like if you don't have enough currency, you're going to window shop your whole life. What makes the difference in you getting what is on the other side of that glass is what? Cash money, baby. Walking in there and putting that card down, credit card. <laughs> Cash money. Listen, faith is the currency of heaven. Faith is how we get things. And that's what Jesus is addressing right here. But there's a couple things that I want to just talk about two of them that will hinder our faith more than anything. And it's identified in this text. It's unbelief and unforgiveness. And I want to talk about these two today because these are probably the, the big, the main sources and problems of many of us today. And, one of, and it's here in this, in this passage. Unbelief and unforgiving. We're entering into a new year. And, and I don't know about you, but as a pastor, what I've been praying for our church, man, I want, I want our church to grow uh, deeper, not just numerically. Amen. We've filled this gym. We'll probably... Go to two services. I know we're putting that off. Amen. If God adds to our church, that's amazing. But I'm not talking about that kind of growth, although that is great. And if you're visiting, good to have you with us today. God bless you. But I want to see us all go deeper in our faith. Come on, somebody. I want, I want this to be the year where we go deeper in our faith so we can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I mean, I mean that's in the Bible. That's for you. That's for me. And we, we celebrate these miracles. Well, we, I got to talk about faith more. I got I to make sure we get, in all, get into life groups. I'm telling you, that's why they're so good to get into a smaller group and, and learn the word of God together and talk and ask these questions like this guy had. He said, Jesus, why couldn't I do it? I mean, that's what I love about life groups and stuff and having Christian friends and, and talking about the word of God. Iron sharpens iron, amen? Amen, you can talk about football for so long. I love football. Y'all know that, but I was sick. I got a confession. I even got tired of watching football. I mean, I mean, hallelujah. You can only watch so much, and there ain't nothing else on TV worth watching. Amen. So I watch sports. But, you know, I turned that TV off, and I just, got, hey, I got along with God for three days just praying, praying for you, and praying. God's already speaking to my heart of what direction to take this church in. I'm going to announce it on uh, Vision Sunday. Uh, coming up the second Sunday in February, we talk about Vision Sunday and the Lord. I, I believe we're going to see some awesome and amazing things this year that God's going to do through us. But unbelief and unforgiveness, they're like parasites. They're, they're, they're like, they can get on the inside of us and they're like parasites. When we were in South Africa, we, uh, we saw this, um, they, they were wildebeest is what they were. You ever see a wildebeest? You know, those, those animals that are like in, in herds, you got the horns. Lions always take them down. Amen. So that's, that's a wildebeest. And I remember we saw these wildebeest, and one of them was, was walking, and he was moving his head like this as he was walking. 
And our guide stopped, you know, he stopped. He said, you know why they do that? He said, because they got parasites on the inside of their head and their nose. And he's trying to get them out. I know it's gross, but he, he, they're trying to get them out. And then he said this. He said, if they don't get them out, they actually kill them from the inside out. They will kill them from the inside out. Let me tell you something. Unbelief and unforgiveness is like parasites to our faith. Hear me today. They will kill you from the inside out. They will kill our faith from the inside out. And it will, it will hinder the way you walk, even that wilderness, the way it walks. Unbelief and unforgiveness will hinder the way we walk, our, our life with Jesus. So that's why we need to talk about these today. Unbelief. Let's talk about unbelief first. It's, it's in Luke chapter 9. You can put this up. This is what uh, says it again in Matthew, but I like Luke. He says, Jesus answered and said, unbelieving and perverse. Now, I'm going to tell you how perverse connects to unforgiveness in just a minute, but let's talk about unbelieving first. Uh, he said, this is your problem. He said it twice. The reason why you couldn't cast this out is because of unbelief. Unbelieving. He called the whole generation. He didn't just address his disciples. He said, this is the problem with all y'all. He said, this entire generation, this is your problem. You're unbelieving and you're perverse. This is why you could not see victory in your life. This is why you couldn't see the power of God in your life. I take that to heed when I hear that. I, I listen and I lean in. Unbelief, you write this down. Unbelief disconnects us from the power and promises of God. You need to write that, write that down. Unbelief disconnects us from the power and promises of God. Unbelief is powerful. Unbelief is just as powerful as faith. It's actually faith in reverse. Just like you need just a little bit of mustard seed of faith to move a mountain, just as deadly is unbelief. It creeps in as doubt, and we all deal with it. And it will creep in, and it doesn't come in overnight. Like, no one wakes up one morning and says, you know, I lost my faith today. You know, I'm, I'm just, you know, how you doing? I lost my faith. When? Last Tuesday at 3 o'clock. <laughs> Nobody does. No, unbelief trickles in when you get, like, times like this, unanswered prayer. The enemy, boom, comes right in. See, why didn't it work? See, why didn't I move that log with my mind powers? Because God's not a Jedi, and I'm not the Sith Lord. Amen. I mean, it doesn't work that way. But as soon as you pray and you don't get it, how many of the enemy comes right away like that? Why didn't it work? Why didn't it work? He don't love you. That's what these guys were battling with, and that's how the enemy will come in. He'll come in whenever those, those prayers are in. These thoughts will come in right in your mind. It starts little by little, and it begins to fester like those parasites. It just begins to stay there, and it begins to suck the life out of your faith. It'll get to the point where you won't even want to pray. Wait, why pray? God's not hearing my prayers anyway. That's unbelief speaking, friend. That's unbelief speaking. And it's starting to reel it, rear its ugly head up. And it will start to suck the life right out of us. In the book of Hebrews, he comes along, and it's not on the screen, but I should have put it out there. It's powerful. Hebrews is the meat of the word. And he says, beware, brethren. So he's talking to believers. He's talking to faith people, people that love Jesus. He says, beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you, watch this, an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Back up. What? An evil heart. He calls it evil of unbelief. He calls unbelief evil. 
in departing from the living God. He says, beware, brethren, check your heart. Make sure it's not there. And when unbelief begins to raise its ugly head, because it will, you and I have got to have the mind, I'm going to show you here, and have the mindset and be intentional of recognizing it, owning it, and casting it down and bringing it to the Lord. But that unbelief will pop up. You can't hide it. You can't hide it. It's like cilantro. Now, I can't stand cilantro. I love Mexican food. Some of y'all can cook some. Someone made me some tamales the other day. I ain't going to tell you who it was, but they were bomb.com. They were amazing. Enchiladas. Tamales. I said tamales. I've got food on the brain. Listen. And then we had no cilantro, and it was delicious. But I love Mexican food, but you, my, my, you know, my wife and my girls, they love cilantro. How many of y'all like cilantro? Amen. Oh, look at you. God rebuke everyone in Jesus' name. <laughs> No, y'all love it. That's good. I have no problem. Eat it. Tyler puts double when we go out to eat. He just loves to put double on his food. And I curse God and die in Jesus. No, 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 I'm just kidding. But if I just get a little, little piece of cilantro, man, I, I, I can tell where it's at. You can't hide it. There it is. It tastes like just soap or something. <laughs> I've tried, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. But I can't. It's just blow. How many don't like cilantro? Where's my, hey, hey, hey. Thank you. That was for me. Thank you. Amen. You can't hide it. It shows up. Listen, listen, seriously, unbelief is the same way it'll show up. You can't hide it. And when it comes out, I mean, it, unbelief actually is offensive to God. Because you got to understand, remember when Gabriel, the angel, appeared to Mary? We just come out of Christmas. Remember when that whole happened when Gabriel came to uh, Mary? And then first he came to uh, John the Baptist's father. Remember that whole scene? I love that story. He's in there faithfully uh, burning incense and doing his priestful, his, his duties. And Gabriel appears before him on the right side of the altar. I mean, it's a beautiful, awesome, powerful story. He saw Gabriel, an angel, right? And Gabriel appears to him and says, you're going to have a child. And he looks right at him and says, this is impossible. I'm too old. And Gabriel just blows a gasket. He, he said, how dare you say that? Don't you know who I am? For I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. And because you didn't believe, this thing's going to happen. But because you didn't believe it, you won't be able to speak until the child is born. I, I, I would be like, whoa, whoa, Gabe, take it down a notch. I mean, I'm, I'm just, you know, I had cilantro this morning. I'm just, I'm just... Why was he so harsh? Because the atmosphere that Gabriel is in is total faith. There's no doubting. They can't take it. They can't put up with it. There's no doubting. James says that God is the father of lights in whom there is no shadow of turning. There is nothing that is dark or, or doubtful in the presence of God. He is God all by himself. It's in our fallen nature that doubts God. Our fallen nature will want to hang on to something as crazy as this whole thing was evolved from a goo from a slime somewhere out of somewhere and over millions and billions and billions of years. We've got a perfect intellectual person. I mean, our mind likes to cling to stuff like that because it's so hard for the human mind to just trust in what we don't see and what we don't feel. So you and I will battle this faith for the rest of our life. That's why we need more of the Holy Spirit. That's why prayer and fasting comes in. And I'm going to show you that here in a minute. Let me just show you one verse about how it disconnects us. James chapter 1 says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, let, let him ask of God. Don't Google it. Don't go to no psychic. 
I got to say that in 2024. Some of y'all don't have no business going to no medium, no small, medium, or large. You don't need to go. Well, I'm superstitious. Either you're superstitious or kindestitious. You need to not go. I'm making some jokes, but some of y'all don't need to be on no palm reader. What you talking about? You don't need no. You're opening yourself up to stuff that you have no idea what you're doing. Because some of them are real. Some of them are talking to people, and it ain't Aunt Linda. It's what the Bible calls a familiar spirit. And it will read your mail just to suck you in and get you to believe it. And the next thing you know, you got your thoughts all backwards. You got this desire to not pray, to not seek God, to not worship. Worship's the first thing to go. It's because now you're starting to get these seeds. These seeds have been planted in your mind. I have no idea why I'm saying this today, but somebody needs to hear it. You better run from that psychic. You don't need to read no horoscope. I'm just going to tell you. I was born in April. I don't matter. It, I'm saying because it starts to cause you to depend upon a system that, number one, does not work, and number two, is actually demonic. And like Paul wrote in Corinthians, you can't eat from two tables, bro. You can't be coming to God when things get tough, but go to your little psychic friend when things ain't tough. I don't know who needs to hear this today, but somebody, they're online, right? Amen. stuff opens you up, man, it'll mess you up. But I love the scripture. If you ask, if you need wisdom, ask God. Ask God. God will drop it. It's one of the gifts of the Spirit. Hello. Gifts of the Spirit. You know, when I work in my job as a delivery guy, I, I begin to ask God. I my, one of my friends told me, he said, you know, the gifts of the Spirit is not just for Sundays or for spiritual things. You can use the gifts of the Spirit for your everyday work. Kids, Mom, Dad, you can let the gifts of the Spirit help you raise those teenagers. Come on, somebody. The Holy Ghost would tell you, ask Felicia and Miranda, my daughters. The Holy Spirit would tell you, you can use the gifts of the Spirit. I'll talk with our police officers. You know, there are detectives that have prayed about cases, and the Holy Spirit has given them insight and wisdom, which they didn't have on their own, and they're able to solve these cases. This has happened right here in our Van Buren community, people that they know outside the community. What is that? It's the gifts of the Spirit. Here, the Bible says if you need wisdom, wisdom is not knowledge. Wisdom is what to do with the knowledge. You already know that the company's going to close in six months. You don't need to know knowledge. You need some wisdom. You need to know what should I do. What should I do? I'm facing this diagnosis. I got an elderly parent. I got this situation. You need wisdom, brother. And the Bible says, come to God. He can help you. But I love this. Without, he, he will give liberally. He's a generous God. You know, you even look in nature and watch when it rains and stuff. I mean, God just don't give these plants. You ever notice that? Just a little bit of water. He just downloads water. I mean, he's just a generous God. He's just sunlight. Everything God created gives. The sun gives light, gives heat. The grass gives photosynthesis, all right, the plants and all that. Everything God creates gives. Everything the enemy has his hand on takes. But God is, he gives liberally, um, James says. And he's, then he says, without reproach. Let me just break this down for a minute. That word repro reproach is amazing. It's, it's originally, this word reproach, it originally means to behave in a juvenile or immature way. It's describing youngsters who make fun or tease and taunt each other. Then the word came to denote mocking, in, insulting, and to be used sarcastically. 
James is assuring us that God gives without reminding us of our unworthiness. I just want to drop that in there for you today. This came from Jack Hayford's uh, commentary, great man of God, who's with the Lord now, brilliant mind, very theologian, very, very, I just love that. Listen, James is reminding us that God doesn't give. It means to withhold in a joking manner. You ever have, you know, like that commercial, I don't know if it's still around, but, oh, you got to be faster than that, and that guy with a fishing rod. He has that dollar. you got to be faster than that. You know what I'm saying? James is saying that God's not in heaven saying, oh, you almost had it. Hear me. That's what he's saying. When it comes to our deliverance, when it comes to us having victory, when us coming, having power, it's not on God. He's not in heaven playing a joke on us. But then James tells us what the problem is because why does he say that? Because our first inclination, our first, the way we react when a prayer isn't answered is we want to blame somebody. What did the guy say in the text? Jesus, I brought them to your disciples and your disciples couldn't do nothing. You see that blame? The first thing he wanted to say, he wanted to blame because we want to blame someone. We want to blame uh, the establishment. We want to blame the church. We want to blame this. And sometimes they are at fault. But James says, no, 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 it's not God. It's not his problem. And and, and it's not people's problem. Watch this. And it will be given to him, but, big but coming, here we go. But let him ask in faith. I have faith. Read the next three words. With no doubting. No doubting. Everybody say no doubting. Not a little bit of doubting. No cilantro. Come on, somebody. No, listen to James, not exaggerating. Oh, that's hyperbole. No, no, no. He says, ask, but have no doubting. You see, you just need a little bit of that faith. But a lot of stuff, what we have isn't faith. When you read this, that's how you know the real deal. What does the Bible call genuine faith? You need that genuine faith. I want 2024 to be a year where we walk in genuine faith. How many are with me? Okay. Do you know how to get genuine faith? Read James chapter (laughs) 1. Some of y'all did. That's why you're laughing. It comes through testing and trials. Because when a test comes, when a trial comes, if it's anything but real faith, it's out the window. You quit believing. You go right back to psychic or whoever your source is, TikTok, whatever. Wherever you get your peace, wherever you get your instruction, wherever you get your information, wherever you get your good vibes, wherever you're getting that from, that's where you go to if it's not relying on God. Whenever a test comes, but let me tell you today, church, when a test comes, that's an opportunity for your faith to grow because faith only grows when it's tested. So he says, without doubting, for he who doubts, watch this, He who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Yeah, I'm I'm in church one week, and I'm out in the world the next week. I'm standing in faith one week. I've got my devotion. I'm on it. I've been on it since the first of the year, Pastor. But today's the third. How you doing? I went to the gym for the first time, you know, since I've been sick, and man, pulled in the parking lot. Everybody in there. It's January. I looked over, saw LaDon up there, and we were up there talking. I said, it's January. Give it about six weeks. <laughs> you, you can go, you can, you can shoot a shotgun through there or something. Don't shoot a shotgun, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> It'll be empty because that's, that's, that's fickle. That's how fickle we are. Listen to something. That, that's where we got to get rid of that. Fasting will help with that. 
he says, with no doubting. He says, you're tossed to and fro. You believe one minute, then you're not believing. And if that's you, I'm not getting on you because it's in all of us. It can be in all of us. For let not that man suppose that he will receive what? Anything. Come on, man. Give me a little bit of something. Because I got some faith in there, don't I? He says, no, it won't. It with no doubting. It won't, you won't receive anything from the Lord. Listen, for he is double-minded and unstable in all his ways. That, that double-mindedness, you know, I don't even like it when I see it in, in me, and it's in me sometimes. I don't even like it when we, you know, try to choose where to eat. And it's going to happen to all of y'all in about a half hour. Where are you going to eat? I don't know. Where do you want to eat? I don't know. Where do you want to eat? And then you get so hungry, and you pull into Chick-fil-A. There you go. Not today. I've never been to Chick-fil-A on Sunday. I am. I was so excited when they built one on the hill. <laughs> we went on Sunday. So we went over and got some cilantro. Amen. So anyway. <laughs> but it gets aggravating. But listen, that double-mindedness can actually, listen, trickle over into every area of your life. When you can't make a decision to save your mind, you can't find your way out of a paper bag, somebody said. That's called double-mindedness, and you will be unstable in all your ways. Let me tell you, if you, got, if you battle that this week of prayer and fasting, God's going to cure that. He wants to cure that. He wants you to have that confidence. See, that's the opposite. Because if an unstable man, if a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, a single-minded man is stable in all his ways. Did you catch that? If a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, I don't know what to do. And that's part of being young. I know you're young. You, you kind of find your way through that. But as you get older, you got to learn to start making some decisions and standing your ground on that. We're going to go to Taco Bell, whether I like it or not. Amen. Or whatever it is. Make these decisions. A single-minded man is stable in all of his ways. Doubt will begin to creep in. And the Bible says, that, let, let that man not expect to receive anything from God. That doubt will come in. And this was the problem with these guys. They believed, but they were like kind of believing. And it stifled their faith and nothing will move. Nothing will move when that happens. I'm going to get to the cure in just a minute. Now let's move over into unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is huge, guys. And I get this from the word perverse. Now the word perverse, it actually means to be connected to the wrong things. Perverse, okay? He says your, your problem is twofold. You got two problems going on, fellas. In fact, the whole generation does. All of y'all have unbelief that is killing, in, like a parasite is killing your faith. And you guys are perverse. Now perverse means, it, the actual Greek word, it means to twist or bend and attach to something. So the mind is like a vine where it, it comes off the shoot and it attaches to something. Perverseness. That is what some of us can become, can drift away from divine, which is Jesus Christ, and we become too attached to stuff. And I've usually taught this before, and I usually talk about worldliness because it is a problem. Worldliness. Perverseness is worldliness. You, you got it twisted where we are. And when I say worldliness, I don't mean, you know, going to the movies. I mean, the, the system, and this is a big one because a lot of people can get kind of mixed up on what is worldliness. Worldliness in the Greek word is, a, is another word where we get cosmos, cosmetology. It means the arrangement of things. So worldliness in the Bible, it doesn't mean what kind of shirt you wear. It means the values, listen, the beliefs, the values, and the morals of this world. 
The system of this world. There is a system in this world. There is a narrative in this world. It tells you what love is. It tells you what your identity is. It tells you who's important. It tells you what is important, the more money you make. I mean, it's got its own values. It's got its own morals. How many know what I'm talking about? That is called a worldly system. And the Bible teaches that there is a mastermind behind that worldly system. He's in Ephesians 2.2, and he has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. He is working, pulling the strings of what artists and musicians and the lyrics to these songs and the narrative and the Hollywood. He's got all of these on, and one of them is huge on unforgiveness. If you notice all of the big blockbusters, and, so, and I'm a movie guy, I like a lot of the movies, but the number one movie is Avengers. Why? It's about avenging people. Back in my day, it was Clint Eastwood, Dirty Harry, and Rambo. Look them up. They, they were vigilantes. Now you got the equalizer with Denzel Washington. Amen. He, he, it's all about being a vigilante. It's all about taking out vengeance. And this system is godly system. It's called the kingdom of God. In here, the way up is actually the way down. If you want to be great, you got to be a servant to all. And when it comes to vengeance and getting even, the Bible says what? Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I'll even tell you this. If you step into that realm, it wasn't, here I go. If you step into that realm and take vengeance on yourself, your Bible says that God steps out. Did you see what they did to me, Pastor Eddie? I know. Did you see what they did to me, God? God says, no, I know. Let me handle it. Let me handle it. Well, God, you know, we, okay, God, God, I'm giving it to God. Today's Monday. I'm giving it to God. Here it is, God. You're going to handle my enemies in Jesus' name. Tuesday morning. Just checking, God. Whoo, this is the day. You go to the gym. You get mad because it's full. You go home. It's Wednesday. Just checking. It's still there by Thursday. Well, God, if you ain't going to do nothing, I'm just going to send them a message and let them know. I'm going to block them. Swipe left. Right? Right? What happened? You're taking the vengeance into yourself, and then now the enemy says, I got them. What does your Bible say in Ephesians? Paul says, be wise to the schemes of the devil. Be angry, but sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. That entire portion of scripture is dealing with how we handle unforgiveness. He says you're giving the devil a foothold. I mentioned earlier, you can go to a psychic and give the enemy a foothold. True that. Yes, you can. But let me tell you another one that can give the devil a big foothold and he's got a huge foothold on a lot of us is through this unforgiveness thing. And God just put it in my heart to talk about that today because listen, God doesn't want you to carry this into 2024. You hear me? And this may not be everybody. It could be. Sooner or later, someone's going to offend you. Sooner or later, somebody is going to deserve that unforgiveness that you think you, they do. That's what the enemy will put in your mind and in our mind. It means to be connected, perverseness does. It means to be connected to something you shouldn't be to or to hold on to something you should not. Be. I get this from Jesus's other teaching about faith. It's on your screen, Mark eleven twenty two. I'm starting to close. What does that mean? <laughs> Amen. Put that cilantro on hold, okay? That lunch on hold. 
Mark 11, 22. I'm going to be preaching a lot of this here coming up. I got so many messages lined up. I can't wait to get into next Sunday. I'm going to talk about David's mighty men. I had a lot of time with the Lord. The Lord just downloaded so much stuff in my mind. 11, 22. So Jesus said to them, have faith in God. That needs to be underlined, highlighted, highlighted. That's beautiful. Have faith in God. Don't have faith in your 401K. Don't have faith in your good looks, on your strength, on your education. Those are all good. Have a 401K, have a plan. But he says, don't have faith in that. Don't have faith in that. He, Jesus said, have faith in God. And, and, and it, that's got to become more than a scripture verse. It has to become a reality. Okay? That has to become a reality in our life. Have faith in God. And, and you're going to have to wrestle with that unbelief. For certainly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, here he goes again with mountains, be removed and cast into the sea. Watch this. And does not doubt in his heart. You see that? Here he goes again, back with that doubt thing. And does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. You call it, I'm not getting over in the name and claim and all that. I know people have made an entire doctrine and stuff over that. I'm not going to get into it. There is some truth in this thing, though, that he's calling faith. So many of us have swung to the other side. Oh, God just wants us to be poor, broken, homeboy. Amen. That's holy. Now, where did you get that from? That's what we do. We go with legalism with holiness. Oh, my gosh, you can't go nowhere. and Everything fun is sin. I mean, we're so extreme on this thing in the Western American church. We, we need to get into the Word of God and get out some. You can go to Africa with us and have a worship service where sister's blowing a whistle and beating on a pillow and shake some of that religious off of you and really worship Jehovah God. I thought this was wild enough. You ain't seen nothing yet, brother. I love what sister, uh, she got up and said, she says, your body is meant to move in the presence of God. I said, say that again. <laughs> Your body, and we, some of y'all know how to move it for everybody else over here, diamondback, rattlesnake, whatever else. You're out there, <laughs> yeah, yeah. New Year's Eve, you was out there, hey, woo, yeah. There were people, man, and, and did you see what they do in Times Square? They line up. Some of them wear a diaper. Yeah, you heard me. To stand there and watch that ball drop. And when it comes to Jesus, I worship inside. He died for your sins. He gave you eternal life. He's given you power to cast out devils and to, and to overcome sickness and disease. You can break addiction. You can come out of depression. You can set people free. And that's all we're going to give him. I said that all we're going to give him. Come on, River. Give him praise if you believe it. A sacrifice of praise. King David, man, he began to really get out there and bust the move. Y'all know that story? He's the king, and he was whirling around. He took his jacket off and everything, his kingly robe. Y'all know this story. We teach it in Sunday school. Some of us need to live it as adults. I love sitting in the front, you know, two reasons. One, because it's easy for me to get up here. And two, I don't have to turn around and see some of y'all doing this. Because I get mad when I get up here because God's been too good to you. Them hands ought to go up. 
The only people that God calls out in scriptures and says, lift up your hands is actually men. So fellas, so fellas, where's that worship team at? Don't, I mean, come on. If that's all you got, do it for the Lord, brother. We, I'm going to go, baby, go. Move for the Lord. I don't know where we get this from. It ain't here. It ain't going to happen here. As we grow, and I, if you're new to the church, amen. Listen, you don't have to worship like me. You don't have to worship like our sister in Africa with the whistle. But we are all told to worship. So if you are this kind of way, if you're a quiet, reserved type guy, even if you got a million-dollar check and you want one Squid Games, if, if someone gave you that money and if that's how you're going to react, then you act that way with Jesus. But if somebody gives you a million dollars, you're like, Woo! You better do that on Sunday for Jesus. Am I telling the truth? Is it me? Come on, Dad, worship. Come on. Come on, let's start this year off right. Come on, Jesus. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. Okay, stay standing. We're going to finish like this. Reason why some of us can't worship like this because our hands are heavy and we hold on to somebody. We're perverse. We're holding on to somebody. Somebody's keeping your praise down. That's where the unforgiveness comes in. Jesus said this in the next verse, but in the very next verse, after doubt and unbelieving, that's where I wanted to show you, he says, and, everybody say, and. He says, and whenever you stand praying. In other words, I'm not finished talking about doubt and unbelief. This also hinders your prayer. This also hinders why you can't cast that devil out. This also hinders your walk with God. He says, when you stand praying, if you have against. Let him go. Let him go. Let him go. Let him go. Why? So that your Father in heaven may also let your sins go. You want God to hold your sins against you? I don't want him to hold my sins against me. He's got big hands, but I can fill them up real quick, which is 1993. I want him to let them all go. He has let them all go. James says way back in the road, he ain't holding anything over you. It's not that you're not worthy. The problem is, is your unbelief and you're holding on to some folks. I don't know who this message is for, but it's time to let them go. You're going into a new year, and some people, you got to let them go. Some people not only unforgiveness, some folks are running in your circle, and God's wanting to bring you to a new level, and some folks ain't meant to go with you on that level. They were with you in one season, and it's not that you got to be mean. You don't got to be an enemy to them. You just got to say, I'm going to have to disassociate myself with you and start coming over here a little bit more, getting in my world a little more, start doing this a little bit more. The only thing that's harder to forgive is to live with unforgiveness. You ain't going to see nothing happen. You ain't going to see nothing happen. Let me just end with Isaiah 58 was that second scripture. And Jesus rebuked, or God rebukes him in Isaiah 58. He tells them about their fast. He says, you guys are fasting and nothing's happening. You're praying and nothing's happening because of this problem. 
He says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to let people go. Let the oppressed go. He says, so quit pointing your finger. This is an Isaiah 50. I've never seen it like that. He says, let it go. Quit, quit pointing your finger at people. Quit holding uh, unforgiveness and, and bitterness against people. What good is it to pray and fast an entire week and we won't even talk to our neighbor? We won't even talk to our person in our family. That's what, that's what I got to get to. God says, come on, let me, let me help you with that. You let them go. What they do with it is on them. If they're not willing to forgive, you at least let them go from you. They got to deal with it, but you got to let them go. Every, I want every believer here, listen to this sermon. I want you to know, as you go into this next year, you need to go, as Paul said, with a clear conscience before God and man. I let them go. I, I'm letting them go. Because when you hold on to them, you're giving them power over you. And y'all know this. Y'all read books on it. But I pray the Holy Spirit puts his finger on it right now in Jesus' name. Who is the Lord that we need to let go? Some of you may be dealing with this doubt and unbelief thing. This is why it's hindering your praise and worship. You know, when, when Paul calls out the men, he says, men, lift up holy hands without doubting. He actually says without doubting because doubt holds them hands down. In our mind, we think he don't deserve it, but there's freedom in lifting our hands. So come on, let's get back into that. There's freedom in lifting our hands. Now, come on, lift your hands to the Lord today if, if you think he deserves it. Get into that practice of that. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We're just gonna worship right now. Listen, these altars are open. If you need to accept Jesus, you need to accept Jesus, do it today. You can come down and get prayer. But I, you need for unforgiveness, you need to let somebody go, let it go. But I just want us to just worship. These altars are open. Come on, you want to come fill these altars up? Let's do that. Come on, some of y'all need a personal invitation. Come out of your seat and fill this up. The first 50 up here are fill this up. Come, let's, let's end this first worship service with the altars being full in the house of God. Come on. Especially if you've never been. Come on, come on. Come on, just do it. Just get out of the, the comfort zones. Well, amen and amen. I pray that message was a blessing to you, that you received some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord. That's our prayer at River of Life, that every time you tune in, that God speaks directly to your heart. Well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday, a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of his presence, his promises, and all people. And you can watch one of our services that way as well. So God bless you. I pray God's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week. Amen.